This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Laura Bell Main. Laura is the founder and CEO of SafeStack Academy. SafeStack is a mission-driven and community-centric online training platform that provides software development teams with the skills they need to build high-quality, secure software. Laura will be talking with us about cybersecurity and uh, how it is necessary for all businesses, big and small, and how it can actually be used to increase revenue and be used as a tool for innovation. So this is just going to be an amazing conversation. Thanks so much for joining me today, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk. It is great to talk with you, and I am diving right in because I am so curious to hear your thoughts on um, this idea of using security to grow your company rather than having it get in the way. Yeah. Um, So I think the nicest place to start with this is we've all gotten used to the idea that security is the biggest monster in the room. You know, we talk about it on the news, but it's always in the context that this big unseen you know, threat is coming. And for most of us, if I'm completely honest, if we're business owners, if we're we're trying to do something big in the world, while security is on our radar, it's not one of the top five things that's going to kill our business. Um, You know, let's face it, cash flow is going to be the biggest one. Um, And so when we focus on this big amorphous threat that none of us can see or taste or feel in any way, but might be coming, in all honesty, nobody's got time for that. Nobody has the energy to keep that level of anxiety in their world. And being driven by some form of anxiety is really not a good uh, tactic. So instead, what I do is I work primarily with businesses that are not enterprises. Now, I live in a part of the world where the definition of a smaller business is different to the US. So let's just say for clarity, those businesses that have up to a few hundred people rather than a few thousand. And in those cases, security can be a bit of a superpower. So rather than seeing it as protecting against the big monster, which definitely is out there, but isn't the main event, we can see it as a tool that helps us express our maturity, our innovation, and our approaches to bigger customers so that we can sell more, so that we can assure the people who are buying from us that we pose less risk to them than doing it themselves. And when you're able to frame it in that way, 
suddenly it becomes a positive thing. You know, the fact that you're taking those little steps to make your organization more secure can speed up your sales process. It can make a conversation that could be quite tense and anxious be quite a positive one because they can see that you care, that, you know, your your mindset is aligned with theirs and that you want to reduce risk. Right. I get it. So really, it's using it and talking about it to um, really use it as a differentiator with, we've got this covered, you can feel safe working with us. Absolutely. And to be very clear, I don't mean it's something you're going to charge extra for, because there's a lot of people who, when they start on this journey, they're like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll you know, add an extra line on the invoice. That's not really how it works. I think if you think about the tools you use every day, so your email provider, you know, your accounting software, whatever it is you use to run your business, you have a set of expectations that are explicit. They're the things that are written on the functionality list when you signed up. Okay, it does this, this, and this, and that's what I need it to do. But you also have a set of expectations that are never articulated, that we never talk about. So you expect it's going to be on when you need it to be there. You expect that it's going to be usable and you know it's not going to be too hard to use and it's not going to take you more time than doing it manually. And one of these things that we expect, but we never articulate, is that we expect it to be secure. We expect it to take care of our data because we're we're letting them be the custodian. And so we can't charge more. We can't call it out as this big extra thing you're getting now that you didn't get before. But by drawing attention to it and making it explicitly what running a high quality business is about for you is a really positive thing. I see. All right. That that makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the things that a small growing company can do to get started with this whole security coverage idea? So uh, the first thing I'm going to teach you, Diane, is just to ignore our brains a little bit because <laughs> your brain is going to get in the way of you doing a bit of security. And we need to call it out because brains can be really unhelpful. Um, so your brain loves dopamine, that nice chemical we get when we solve a novel complex challenge. It loves that. And it seeks out those bits in our life that are giving it more dopamine. Um, but the reality is, whereas, you know, the world wants to talk about these big nation state attackers and those kind of things, 80% of the attacks we see against regular everyday businesses are attacking what we would call the boring basics. So they are looking at very common, not complex vulnerabilities. They're being carried out by automated scripts, not particularly sophisticated attackers. So what we need to do is tell our brain to just be quiet a little bit and just go without a bit of dopamine while we take care of some really essential, boring basics. But those boring basics are going to do a huge amount. They estimate, according to Google's research, that 80% of the attacks they see online can be resolved by doing these boring basics. So we know that that's a good thing. Wow. So where could you start? Well, let's give you some practical tips, hey, Diane. Yes, so great. let's start with those accounts. Now, if you're anything like me, I have literally hundreds of accounts. You know, I have the ones I use every day. And then there's the ones I signed up for for one thing, one time, you know, a recipe site or, you know, a newsletter I wanted or whatever it was. Um, the first thing we have to do is we have to kind of narrow our scope a little bit. So not all of the sites we sign up to are as valuable or as sensitive to us as others. So you probably want to pick the key five that would have the most impact on you or your business if they were compromised. So for me, 
that would be my email account. Email account is number one because that is pretty much the gateway to all of my other accounts. Um, probably my core business tools like my payroll, my banking, I probably want to care about those. I'm really looking at where my sensitive data is. And then I'm going to focus really narrowly on putting my controls on those first. And that starts with passwords, which I think we've all been kind of drilled to death on now, Diane. I'm sure if I asked you what makes a good password, you could even rattle off a few rules your own. Do you reckon you could? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I want you to forget a few of those rules. Okay. So we we spend a lot of time telling you things like needs to be eight characters and uppercase and lowercase and special characters and... And you can't use it more than once. And actually, there's a few things that you can narrow it down that make this much easier. So firstly, the length of the password is the strongest element. So the longer you can make that password, the better. Now, it doesn't even need to be a password. So we were taught passwords look like a robot vomited on your keyboard. You know, it's a horrible combination of things that no human can remember. (laughs) And that's terrible advice because, well, we need to be able to remember this. The reason we reuse passwords is because we can't remember these horrible strings of complex numbers and special characters. So here's my tips for you. If you need a really good quality password, I want you to play car karaoke. Now, bear with me, this is going to sound insane, but never mind. You know when you sing along to the radio or any song or you're trying to quote a movie to a friend and you're singing at the top of your voice, really, really passionate, but you're not entirely sure the words that you're singing are correct, that it's just the words you think happen to be in that song. So those lines you think are in songs. So, for example, you know, take your favorite song and take a a whole line. So seven or eight words that including the spaces and the the punctuation, is an amazing password because it's really long, probably 20, 30 characters plus. It's got special characters in it. Those spaces are the special character none of us ever use. And then it's got punctuation. It's got some capitalization. You've got a really good mix naturally, and it's something you can identify with and you can remember. Now, even better than that, if you're bad at remembering the words to songs, it's going to be really unique because no song in history has the actual words that you're singing. Um, So use that. (laughs) Make it a fun way to do it. Um, The other thing is we can't keep reusing passwords. And that's the biggest problem we have is that, you know, you use the same password for your email account as you would, you know, that newsletter you signed up to once. My advice on this is if you're just signing up to a throwaway account and you don't want to spend any effort on the password at all, then don't. When you sign up, I want you to mash your keyboard. So just type randomly all over your keyboard and copy paste that into the two password fields. And you don't need to try and remember that. The next time you try and log into this unimportant site, just go and use a forgotten password mechanism. Because that way, nobody is going to be able to guess that password. Uh, Not even you. Um, And you're still going to be able to get in because you've got access to your email account. So hopefully those are very practical ways to just start with securing your accounts. The the golden rule is if any of your passwords are old enough to have started school, so age five and above, then they're probably a little bit too old. Let's aim to keep them all in preschool and and earlier, preferably under one. I got to tell you, I think you just liberated the entire... audience by giving us those roles. Those are great. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. So now let's talk about using cybersecurity for innovation and revenue. What is that all about? 
So I work with a lot of small and mid-sized organizations all around the world in about 70 countries now. And what is unifying is that there are people all over the place who have amazing ideas, really great ideas, and they want to build something big. We only hear about the big companies, the ones with the big marketing budgets, but there's so much amazing innovation everywhere. And I'm genuinely super excited about it. I feel like I'm living in this like science fiction fantasy world right now. Um, But the important thing that we can do is we can use a, a security mindset to actually help us focus what to build. And by that, I mean, one of the problems when you've got ideas is ideas, there's lots of them. Um, And if you are running a business, you'll know that focus is one of the most valuable resources we have. When we can focus down on one thing that we do incredibly well, then things get better. I think there was a a famous gentleman I was reading recently. He said that the uh, dilution of focus is the dilution of success. And I kind of agree with that in a way. So we can use security as a way to focus. So by this, let's give an example. Say you have an idea for a new product and you've got three or four options on the table and you've done bits of validation. You know the goods and the bads from the functionality side and whether people would buy them, but you really still have to decide. Adding a security filter to that is really helpful because you can say, okay, which one of this involves storing the most data? Because storing data is a risk for us. You know, the more data we store, the more work we have to do to protect it. We can ask, who else is going to need access to this? Which of these options is going to have the most complexity in operating? And security would always ask us to pr- to choose the simpler path. Because when you've got lots of different complex access models, it's kind of like when you're trying to defend your house against all the potential ways to break in. If you've got lots of complex parts moving in, each one of those could be attacked. So the more simple your design, the better it can be from security. But also that has a flow on effect to usability, to how easy it is to understand. Um, so that can be a wonderful thing. So what we're doing is we're thinking about risk and we're thinking about the things that we like to protect in security, but we're using it to really focus to really simplify and be really, really clear on what's mattering the most to us. Um, And that very often isn't the very technical elements of things or how many complex parts, but is it solving a problem in a way that's really easy to use? And there's one more little bit to that. I'll give your audience and don't worry, there's no test at the end. So I'm not going to come back and say, please remember these three words. But if you do, you know, if they do stick, that's helpful. There's three things that you want to protect in your organization more than anything else. The first is confidentiality. So whatever you have, you have an understanding of who should be able to access it, who should be able to edit it, who should be able to delete it. And that's what we call confidentiality and security. So every system you're looking at, you want to have either um, implicit, so just, you know, you've decided and remembered rules about who should be able to access it, but even better, write it down. Who should be able to get to this data? How long do we keep it for? Who should be able to edit it? That kind of thing. The next is integrity, because our businesses don't work if we can't trust our data. So the most important thing you want to do in integrity is make sure that nobody can change data in a way that you wouldn't expect. It will be the equivalent in the physical space of, you know, going into a supermarket and, you know, putting extra ingredients into products on the shelf. We don't want to mess with the integrity of product because it can have really dangerous side effects. And finally, we have availability, which is that irritating idea, sorry, that's my personal opinion, that we have to be available for our customers 24 by 7, seven days a week, all those kind of things, which wasn't the case when I first started. 
started out, it was very much nine till five. But now our systems, all of them, and our products and our services need to be available when our customers need. So if something's going to get in the way of that availability, we've got a bit of a security problem. And in the best case, you do the minimum viable work to maintain your confidentiality, the integrity and trustworthiness of your data and make sure your systems are open for business. I see. Okay, this is good. Now, um, I have a question about chat GPT because, well, A, because it seems to be such a, a hot topic, but also I'm I'm really curious about if it has an impact on cybersecurity and if so, how, how does a small business deal with it? Because it seems to have a lot of value at the same time. Absolutely. And, you know, I think being a security person is interesting for me because half of me is super excited about new technology and half of me is terrified. Yeah. And I kind of live in this permanent state of arguing with myself. Um, like On the positive side, I absolutely agree. It's a phenomenal tool, particularly for small teams. Uh, my company only has 11 people in it. We, we're really tiny, but we have 20,000 customers around the world. And so we have to get a lot done with a very small amount of resources. And so things like ChatGPT are really great when you're like, I've got this sentence, I need it rewording. Or, mm. hey, I need some example posts for this social media thing. Or, hey, I want to make this block pretty, but I'm not a web developer. Can you wrap this in HTML and make it look like this for me? All of those are really, really helpful use cases. But we have to be mindful because there's a couple of things with these large language models like ChatGPT that um, can cause us a bit of trouble in the long term. So I'll fit them into two categories. The first you'll probably have heard of, and that's the idea that all of the data that goes into a large language model like ChatGPT is used to train the model. So it's it's always evolving. It's always changing and growing. So the most important thing we can do is make sure that we're not putting anything in there that we want to pop out the other side that's got our data in it. So, you know, if you are doing some example copy for for your business, maybe you might just exclude the company names. You might exclude the bits that actually you can slot in afterwards and you ask it for the, the framework rather than every single letter and every single word. You certainly would never put any customer data in there. Because that model is its not ours, it's somebody else's. And we don't have any control over what they do with that model once it's been trained. The other side is what I like to call explainability. Now, ChatGPT sometimes to me feels a bit like magic. I, you know, my, I have a four-year-old daughter um, and she has this habit of at bedtime, she'll like, mom, I don't want to read one of our books. Can you tell me a story where Harry Potter meets the Paw Patrol on a beach with a dinosaur and three orangutans? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's a lot. How do I even? But with things like ChatGPT, you really can just give it that prompt and it's going to write you a 200 word story <laughs> about all of those things. It's It's like the parenting super hack. But that's great for things that are nonsense, like a child's story. But if you're using an AI model to make a decision for you, so, you know, should I do this? Should I keep data or should I delete it? Which in some models, that's what they're being trained to do. Not so much chat GPT, but in these internal ones, we need to make sure that we can always explain how that decision has been reached. Now, the law is changing around the world. And I think in the next couple of years, you'll start seeing this be more prominent. But if you're doing something very sensitive or something that is really, you know, a crucial decision for your business, 
you need to make sure that whatever AI you are using on it, you can explain how the AI made that decision. Because at some point in the future, somebody might come back to that decision and challenge it and say, how and why? And there's been some really clear cases in the data protection and privacy world where the inability to explain how you reached a decision, even before AI systems were a thing, has genuinely hurt people. So we want to make sure that, you know, it's Mm. a great tool, use it enthusiastically, get as creative as you like, but remember that anytime it's coming to make a really serious decision, you as the human need to be able to explain how, and, and you have to agree with how it's made that decision. And if you don't, then perhaps it's just an experiment for now. Perhaps we could do another layer of analysis. Boy, that is great. Thank you. That that is that is really really terrific. I, I appreciate that a lot. It, it was just the Paw Patrol stories, really, wasn't it, Diane? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I wasn't going to say it, but um, <laughs> but seriously, like every part of that was, was tremendously valuable, and I really I love the way you explain this stuff. So, um, if if someone's listening and they um, are growing a small business and they're thinking to themselves um, that they don't necessarily, that they get it. They get everything we're talking about. Mm -hmm. They're not really sure how to start or how to make sure that they're um, finding the right resources. What advice would you give them? So, I'm going to give a whole bunch of advice, but I'm also going to give you the easy path to that advice, which is um, myself and my co-founder of my business, we wrote a book a couple of years ago called Security for Everyone. And it's low-cost solutions for scaling security from just being an individual through being a growing small organization. So that's a really practical, I think it's about $45. It's not hugely expensive. Um, and you can just walk through that. Um, but you know, it's like anything, the information for how to get started on this is in lots of places. So if you have a bit more time, please don't see that as a horrible sales pitch. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I always get weird about this bit. That's fine. Um, audience, my mom is very proud. I wrote a book. You lot, you can buy it if it's helpful. Right. The rest of it. How do we get started? Well, there's a whole bunch of checklists that are available that I would start with. So wherever you are in the world, if you're in the US, if you're in New Zealand, if you're in the UK, they have um, essential lists. So most of them have an organization called CERT, which is a computer emergency response team. Now, don't worry about all of that. You don't need to know the details of it. But almost all of them will produce top lists. So in Australia, they have the essential eight. Um, but in CERT New Zealand, they have a top 10. And these are the 10 things you can do to have the most impact on your security. And if you just wanted somewhere really simple to start, I would look down those lists. Um, I'll share some links to you with you afterwards, Diane, if you want to put them into the show notes. Okay, that'd be great. Thank you. But those are going to be things like, you know, managing your passwords, making sure you remove staff members when you uh, when they're no longer with you, don't share accounts, update your software. None of it's particularly se- sexy, but all of those things combined has a huge impact. So I would start there, work through those essentials checklists. Um, And then just start growing the culture in your team. One of the biggest things we've done wrong in security is we made it really difficult to talk about it. Everyone's super ashamed to say, hey, I think I did something wrong because we feel like people are going to judge us. To be honest, the best thing we can do is talk to our friends and to our colleagues and things say, hey, look, I think this thing happened. 
we should talk about it because you might see something similar or perhaps you've been through something before. We need to talk about this lot like it's we made a mistake because this is a complex set of psychology that our attackers are using to make this work. We need to help each other. We need to do security together. And so find some other business leader friends, work inside your organization and just have some honest conversations about this. It can be hard. It can be really daunting. It can be really silly in places. But talking about it is going to make it a lot more approachable for all of you. Well, and and wouldn't you say that not talking about it can be devastating? Oh, absolutely. You know, we only have a few laws in the world that mean you have to tell somebody when you're breached. So in in most places in the world, if you have a big software company, even at an enterprise level, you don't have to tell your customers and the rest of the world that you've had a security incident. And that's that's actually a really strange position to be in because those are custodians of millions of records of data. Mm. Um, But that flows down to us. You know, the reason that things make the news and that we're so surprised by them is because we never hear any noise about it. But for me, I like to think of security like any other, you know, challenge. I'm a business owner. I have been for nine years now. And, you know, I have a laundry list of things I have screwed up in running my company. And, you know, there's bits of security in there. There's bits of financial stuff in there. There's bits of just, oh, my goodness, Laura, read the document. You know, <laughs> it's it's the course you run when you are a business owner. And, It's only when I share those stories with other business owners and really kind of open up and become authentic and share that I get the real juicy, oh, here's what I could have learned from this. And others around me learn too. So I think it's really, really crucial that we do the same with security as we would with other elements of our business. We find our people and we share. Yeah, because isn't it the other thing you discover is that you're not the only one? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that it's really common, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it, every every day is a school day when you're running a business. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the things that it makes me happy to learn every now and again is when I'm feeling most alone and something feels hard and over- overwhelming, that there's actually somebody just down the road who is a little bit different to me, but they're facing exactly the same challenges. And that makes me realize that it is a bit hard and that that fight is worth it and that you can make a change. You just got to stick with it. Right. Absolutely. And that there's real strength in talking about these things and getting so ideas much. and suggestions from other people and being able to give the same thing back. Absolutely. Even just, you know, if you talk about phishing emails as a really good example. So phishing emails are those emails you get where it says, hey, you know, give me your credentials or come log into the site you've won a prize. Um, and they're trying to get your username and password normally. Um, even just talking to your other business friends, say, hey, I, I got this phishing email the other day and it looked like this. It may well be they get it three days later and then they can go, oh, hey, yeah, that's the one that Diane was talking about. Yeah, we can just ignore that one. And so you can respond a lot quicker by learning from what others have seen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrific. Well, Laura, I got to tell you, I love this information. I'm so glad that we have had this conversation. Uh, And so thank you so much. And will you tell the listeners how they can find you, how, you know, where they can find the book that you were talking about. 
Absolutely. So um, if you just for the book, you can search for Security for Everyone Holloway, which is a publisher, and that's going to find that. But I will share a link afterwards with Diane if she puts that in the notes. Um, The other couple of things, um, my company does a completely free training plan. So you can teach your entire team security awareness basics for no cost. So if you go to safestack.io and sign up for a free trial, at the end of the free trial, it's just going to tick over to the free plan and you can invite up to 50 people. So, you know, for many of our organizations, that's your whole team. So get stuck in, enjoy the free training. Genuinely, no strings attached to that. We just really want to help smaller organizations grow up to be secure. And finally, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, you're more than welcome to or find me on the social media. Um, I'm always happy to chat with people and uh, see if I can help in some way and even more listen to your stories because I love hearing how organizations outside of the enterprise are doing security. Oh, that's so great. Thank you. Yes, well, I will get me those links. I'll make sure that they're, <clears throat> excuse me, in the show notes. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much, Laura, as I said. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.